Welcome to Sin City. Get ready for in-depth chat on new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you cinephiles. Only on CMRU.ca and Feel Loud Images. And now, to your host, Nick Manenses. Welcome everyone to Sin City. I am your host, Nick Manessis, and joining me today is Chris Campbell. Hello, Chris. Hello, hello. And you've made it just in time. Today is a very special day because we will be discussing one of my absolute favorite films, not just of the last decade, but of all time, Whiplash, directed by Damien Chazelle and released in 2014. Now, Whiplash, I've had the esteemed opportunity of re-watching it a few days ago with my mom and I must say I loved it even more than I did before. Just everything about this film works on every level from the characters to the themes, Damien Chazelle's direction and the gorgeous cinematography and such powerful messages as well about ambition, perfectionism and literally sacrifice for your own art. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think one of my favorite parts of the film is how he definitely you see his personal life deteriorate as he starts to be a more successful drummer in this film where he starts uh, not getting along with his family and uh, he cuts ties with his girlfriend. Uh, but then he starts end up just being like an amazing drummer by the end. Exactly. Yes. And at the cost of his own self-respect and humanity and also to make this episode even more structured i thought we should fo focus on two parts to it first we will begin with the obvious the story the characters and themes and then we will cap this off with a with answering a simple question what did this all mean so what do you say let's dive right in shall we so first off first things first whiplash is really a masterclass of visual storytelling. Like the very first opening scene does a good job of establishing both our two main characters, Andrew and Fletcher, right right off the bat with very little dialogue spoken. Like when Andrew is practicing with his drum kit, we can see how he is sweating a lot, which tells us that he is determined. He's very ambitious about his own art. And on the other hand, we also have Fletcher, who just right off the bat, we already see what kind of person he is when he is like acting all sarcastic and acting like a self-important bully, which already cues the audience in what type of monster we'll be dealing with here. Yeah, definitely. That definitely that 360 flip he does uh is is kind of terrifying i mean you know going into the movie he's going to end up being this terrifying guy uh but it really does uh do a good job of just hitting you unexpectedly in a sort of way you know because he starts off super nice he's like yeah yeah you know do your best whatever no worries no stress and then he just loses it <laughs> i know right yeah that scene yeah i'd like to take a moment as well and talk about J.K. Simmons's performance as Terrence Fletcher because he is he's what made this movie be what it is without yeah. him this movie would be nothing because every scene he is on screen he just invokes this sense of fear and dread not just in the characters but in the audience as well like yeah. notice how Anytime Fletcher shows up, like at first everyone's just chatting, fooling around, but the minute Fletcher shows up, everyone, everything is dead silent. That just yeah. shows how terrifying this character is. Anytime he enters the room, like he definitely, just his presence demands uh, tension, attention and focus on him. And he's just like, um, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, totally. You're right. I mean, he's just like to, totally like super intimidating, super scary. Um, but definitely it's the best part of the film. It is the whole film and it's super fun to watch. 
this guy just be a monster to everybody. That's true, yeah. And really, and this, like, no joke, this guy is scary. And I mean, like, realistically scary because there are people like Fletcher out there, like perfectionists who are willing to do whatever it takes to ensure that they're art becomes well perfect regardless of how many people get hurt or whose feelings get hurt if it if that's what it takes to make good art then so be it and this can be really especially relatable for anyone who has had to deal with an abusive teacher or some authority figure of some kind yeah definitely i think it's um uh this film is cool because i feel like everybody is able to relate to it in some way whether you're um, somebody who's dealt with, uh, you know, a crazy strict instructor or teacher or leader um, and just like having to deal with, you know, some people are receptive to that kind of thing and some people very much are not. Uh, we see Miles Teller's character actually is receptive to it. Um, obviously, it's very stressful, but he does seem to, you know, uh, be inspired by uh, fear, I guess. But um, uh, on the other hand, though, uh, you know, it's also you can kind of relate to J.K. Simmons's character, too, uh, in that, like, yeah, you don't want to necessarily make compromises. And, um, you know, especially when it comes to art uh, and especially when you're somebody who's like incredibly competent and knows what they want um you know i've i've definitely seen this in other people before where they get stressed and you know uh the best way for them to deal with it is to sort of lash out and be angry and um yeah so i think i think it's uh honestly kind of relatable on that side too and from miles teller's uh character as well um i think it's also super relatable in that like you know, as somebody starting out doing something creative, um, you know, creative, but also I think it's important to know with this film that it's not just art. Um, they're very specific. You know, this is jazz music and he's like very, you know, like the the famous line, the iconic line, you know, not my tempo. Uh, it, it's got to be exact like it's a science, you know, that they're going for. Um so, yeah, no, it's interesting just to see uh, Miles Teller's character, you know, try to get through this. And, um, you know, he's making his own personal sacrifices in his own life. Uh, and he's really trying to, like, do his best and become, like, the best drummer that he can be. Um, so it's cool. It's like, a, you know, I feel like people can level with this film on three different ways. So, um, yeah, super cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact for a added fact um jk simmons's performance is based that of a drill sergeant because he really is a drill sergeant albeit one in a music class from what i heard as well jk simmons based his performance on arlie herney's character sergeant hartman from the war film full metal jacket who is best known for being a drill sergeant nasty that's where he based his performance because Every time at Fletcher, he's just verbally ripping his students, like attacking them with such vicious insults. You feel it, too. This film doesn't pull any punches. It's very stressful, very anxiety-inducing. And no matter how many times I've rewatched it, the stress always remains there till the very end. (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting. I never knew that before. It's really cool. Oh, yeah. And usually, and I love also what J.K. Simmons did for the character archetype, because, you know, we've seen movies, you know, where those mean teachers are the ones that give you bad grades for no damn reason or delight in giving you detentions. But J.K. Simmons, he gave a new layer of depth to the mean teacher stereotype or archetype like he made the character more human more down to earth because he's not just being an asshole for the sake of being an asshole but he also does have 
a perspective, a point in that those quotes that quote them, there are no two words more harmful in the English language than good job. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. I think uh, I and I think that's the whole film right there. Honestly, uh, it's not just the fact that, you know, um, uh, Fletcher isn't just the bad guy in this film. Honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily in the beginning you might call him the bad guy, I suppose, the antagonist, but like I yeah, he really is just his own character with his own uh views and everything and I mean that's what I think uh makes a good villain is when they're relatable and they have like a real honest reason for you know believing the things that they believe. Um, and you're right. He's not just like a strict teacher for the sake of being a strict teacher. He's got actual uh, values and opinions for the sort of stuff. And he's believable as a person, too. Um, I think sometimes with, uh, you know, characters that are in us flushed out, especially with villains. Um, um, and actually, I think in this case, uh, Fletcher is actually more flushed out as a character than Andrew. In my opinion and i think that's a good thing um but and i i think it just makes the characters more believable like it makes fletcher as a character more believable and rounded out and not that you feel bad for him necessarily like i i definitely don't agree with fletcher's views um or his sort of approach to art necessarily. However, it is a very real pro approach and it is an approach that I've heard of before. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a personality that I've worked with in the past before. So, you know, you know, this guy like, you know, he's uh, I mean, he's full of surprises. But on the other hand, it's like you've you've dealt with this sort of type before. And I think that makes the film very true. Yes. I, I agree, yeah, and also like what another thing that makes in my in all the films we've seen with protagonists and antagonists one rule remains: every villain is the hero in their own story, and yeah. that's what Fletcher is. And like most villains, the good complex kind, Fletcher, he doesn't really see himself as one. He feels every the end justifies the means. And that set of beliefs is based on a this quote. I believe you've heard of the phrase misery builds character. Right. That's what it is. Because, yes, it this doesn't quite justify his actions. It explains, but doesn't justify. There's a difference there. But at the same time, he does have a bit of a point as well with the good job speech. Because the point is that at times, we all, as humans, we all need to suffer at some point in our lives. We need to be at a low point point in order to learn in order for us to become stronger you know what doesn't kill you make you stronger we so that we need to learn to build strong character as we develop yeah no absolutely nobody uh you know nobody really likes to be yelled or screamed at but uh you know on the other hand sometimes i guess that's uh you know y you gotta you gotta light the fire a little bit you gotta get people uh you know, you gotta, they gotta take you seriously. So sometimes you gotta lift your voice, raise your voice and, uh, you know. Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah, as we all, like, like he mentioned about in the good job speech, like we can't, yes, it's, it, it's good, of course, to for people to give credit for your work, but if they give you, they keep saying good job, even though you didn't do a good job or give you endless flattery, it doesn't feel right to reward mediocrity with or underachievement with praise at the same time, is what yeah, I got so, from that speech. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you, yeah. And on top of that, like, even in those, like, J.K. Simmons... I, his performance is just perfect. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen. And 
everything from his facial expressions when he's not even saying a word and he even throws not just the characters but us off balance because even when he is acting all nice, polite and professional, you just can't read him. You can't tell if he's really faking it or if he's really being sincere. He's so unpredictable. Yeah. In fact, one probably the perfect example of this would have to be, you know, when he is talking about his student, his former student, the one who allegedly died in a car crash, Sean Casey, when he's acting all all teary-eyed and feeling regret or remorse over his death. We don't know if he really feels sorry or if he's just saying it as a way to save himself, to make himself look sympathetic. We don't know, and that's good. It adds a bit more depth to this character. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I gotta say, Oscar well-earned as well, because this is the performance that earned J.K. Simmons his very first Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. And I have to say, kudos to that. Yeah, that's very cool, yeah. And while we're on the subject here, I feel we should give a bit more attention to Miles Teller because I feel while he did deliver a great performance, I feel that his was a bit more overlooked in comparison to J.K. Simmons because this Miles Teller really did a good job portraying this character of of Andrew we can we can see in his eyes through his body movements how he he's like going off the deep end how he's descending into madness yeah we actually see him uh uh I noticed this a while ago but he you actually see him kind of shift from wearing like really brighter toned colors uh, and then in the last scene, he's just like wearing the full black as if he's like totally corrupted and like uh, immersed into this whole sort of lifestyle. That's right. Yeah. That now that now that right there is good visual storytelling, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we can see as well how really how he is going off the deep end. Notice how as when we first see him he starts off as not really the perfect kid but more you know more modest naive mild-mannered but as his obsession with greatness is taking a toll on his mental health you see how he's becoming more arrogant self-centered and condescending to just about everyone he meets like the dinner scene for example that's such a good scene. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's just let's pick apart that scene because I feel that while many people remember it for J.K. Simmons and all the jazz stuff, I feel like to me the dinner scene has got to be the turning point in the film for Andrew's yeah. character. Like we see how, and this is something we can all relate to as well. How we feel sometimes underrated because we do something that's not popular such as jazz and other people are overrated because they're doing something that's popular which in this case is football sports athletics yeah yeah definitely and uh uh, one of my favorite parts of that scene is where they're like they're giving a hard time like they're i mean honestly the family isn't yeah particularly supportive um you know, and they just don't understand it as like a bunch of sports jocks and stuff. And I think at one point they're like, yeah, you know, it's it's just jazz music. You know, it's just music. Like, isn't it all sort of interpretational and kind of loosey-goosey and stuff? And, you know, Andrew's like, no, actually, it's like very specific. You know, it's like, you know, it takes a lot of attention to focus and stuff, you know, like. Uh, obviously, he was uh, he was much more direct, but I just like I really like the the clash of like beliefs and understanding. Uh, like you could see that obviously Andrew's character is just like in a completely different place than the rest of his family. Whereas and before he just like didn't really, uh, you know, stand up for himself or dress it or anything. And then at this dinner scene, he just like he really goes for it which is really satisfying to see from his character. It is, yeah. And you can see as well how he's starting to to how he's starting to change in his character as in yeah. terms of for better or for worse and how he is 
basically uh, attacking his cousins with such snide comments, like four words you'll never hear from the NFL kind of thing. And at the same time, this I feel like this, the family, in a way, they played a role in Andrew's descent into madness because yeah. they, they doubted him. They don't really see him as anything but special because his cousins, they're, they're all talk, they're, they're athletic, they're, they're strong, they're jocks. But Andrew, from the perspective of them, he's just the runt. Yeah, totally. And, and also... You know, the I heard from a friend of mine who's really into films that this whole film feels like that of a custody battle with the dads being Andrew's father and Fletcher is Andrew deciding who which one he wants to stay with because he looks more up to Fletcher who is talented but well abusive but then there's his father who is he's a nice guy he loves Andrew but he's unambitious and you know how he wants to settle down as a high school teacher and I feel like Andrew resents that he feels embarrassed by his own father because of his lack of ambition which doesn't suit well with his interests his goals yeah yeah definitely I actually um right at the end I felt you know kind of bad for the father because he could you know, as he uh, Andrew's doing this like crazy drum solo, he's wearing the all black, you know, he's really sort of like fallen into his new life. Um, you could see his dad, like the look on his face, like he just like, you know, he, like his his son has lost to him. Like he's like a, you know, his son is a completely different person now. And it's just like, oh, man, I, I felt so bad because obviously this dad, he has more family values and stuff. And like maybe at this moment, too, he's like kind of full of regret because he didn't maybe support Andrew as much as he should have. But like, I don't know, I just maybe I'm filling in the blanks too much. But I really uh, I was really uh, sympathetic for the dad at that very last scene. Well, no, I think we we can share that same sympathy as well, because he starts to regret as well that he wasn't there for his son most of the time, too. And on top of that, the the ending as well, because that is probably the payoff of the film. When I first watched it, I thought, wow, good on Andrew. He really succeeded in his job. But rewatching it again, I was like, oh my God, what just happened? Because yeah. <laughs> Andrew, he he did it. He, he succeeded in his goal. He impressed his teacher. He finally succeeded in his goal of becoming a talented jazz musician. But at what cost he burned old bridges with him and Damien Chazelle the director specifically said well Andrew did succeed the ending should not be seen as a happy or triumphant moment yeah 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 it's really it's kind of creepy in a way it's it's actually it's uh to me it's sort of similar to Breaking Bad in a way you know Uh, the show the first time you watch it um, weirdly enough, even though Walter is like this like monster, terrible person, he's murdered, he's like ruined lives and everything. But for some reason, the first watch through, you're kind of rooting for Walter. Uh, and in my experience, the second time watching it, uh, you cannot stand the guy. And that was my experience with with Whiplash as well. Um you know, the first time and I'm, you know, cause I'm kind of like a music guy myself. So I was like, oh yeah, he's becoming like a super good drummer. You know, I was viewing it as like, yeah, he's doing whatever it takes. He's very determined, stuff like that. But then you watch it the second time and it is honestly kind of sad to see him sort of lose his humanity for, you know, just for the sake of art, um, you know, and kind of letting people down. Uh, you know, who who was, uh, you know, they were close to him and, and everything. That's true, yeah. Such as his girlfriend, for example, uh, Nicole. That scene when he broke up with her, much like the ending, I thought, at first I thought, well, he did the right thing. But now I realize, what did you just do? <laughs> because Yeah, right. And on top of that, well... 
he did have a point in breaking up with his girlfriend because she held him back from achieving his ambitions at the same time andrew he he just much like with his father in reality he looks down on his girlfriend because she's indecisive she has no idea what she wants and he feels like he will amount to nothing that is probably the first sign one of the many signs that we see andrew is really giving in to fletcher's abuse yeah like like he, he doesn't really want to be a great musician he just wants fletcher's approval it's like like his father said his opinion matters more to him than his own ambitions it's it's really dark and scary if you really think about it yeah right like uh fletcher is basically just full control over andrew because uh andrew looks up i mean andrew looks up to him i mean he kind of i mean andrew is aspiring to be fletcher uh essentially looks up to him as like this uh, you know, he must be hip, you know, and um, yeah, exactly like a well done son guy. And yeah. on top of that, another thing I, I noticed upon rewatch how all of the when Andrew, when he, in that cathartic, satisfying moment when he just snaps and beats the crap out of Fletcher and the other students they stop him from finishing the job basically it's really sad when you think about it because the students it shows how um, how far they've been dehumanized it's like they this guy he's a he's abused them like verbally tore them apart but no matter how much they how harshly he treats them they're still like loyal to him it's yeah it's like some form of uh, yeah i believe you're familiar with uh, stockholm syndrome mm-hmm. yeah that's it's really it's like i really admire the details in in here it's the details that really made whiplash a masterpiece for me for all of us i have to say yeah no totally uh definitely agree um yeah i don't know i the one thing that always comes to mind with me is that uh uh that scene where andrew's like desperately on his way to this gig ends up in a car accident and just like doesn't even care he just like keeps going uh he shows up to the gig just like looking like a mess he's just all bloodied up and everything and it's like a normal sane person would just be like well looks like i'm not doing this and i'm going to the hospital instead but he's like yep no i am i'm going to this gig because i have to do it and uh, it, it definitely shows on like how different of a level he is from like his family, his girlfriend, you know, his father and everything. Um, because, you know, if uh, if they were w- there with him in that situation, you know, there's no way they would have let him, uh, you know, go to this gig. Right. Nope, not at all. No. And really shows just how insane Andrew has gotten and that car crash. Also, if you think about it, whiplash has two. The title has two meanings. One is, of course, the 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 music piece that Andrew has to practice. And the other would have to be the car crash as in whiplash, because that's the an injury others suffer whenever they get hit by a car. It's really some form of foreshadowing a lot of significance to it just wow Mm. that's really cool i actually never made that connection that's super cool that's awesome and and for an extra layer of thought jazz is considered the music of the soul of the freedom but in this case andrew's soul has literally been corrupted by the top by the end of the film and he has lost his freedom as the script says he has become now more of a drone a machine than man more subservient which really has a bit of irony in this case it's it's genius really i just i know this up all this upon second rewatch it's wow it's mind-blowing yeah yeah definitely this is definitely one of my favorite films uh ever 
awesome yeah and on top of that another reason what what makes whiplash so such a masterpiece would have to be the editing i love those you know the fast editing when those sequences when it focuses on the close-ups of the drums people playing the saxophones it's very fast-paced it really helps to heighten the tension the anxiety in the film And this film, it, it really loves music as well. Damien Chazelle has done his research and it shows he loves the art of jazz. And really great to see someone loving an art form that many consider to be, well, dead, unexistent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're, that's a good point. Um, uh, you, you definitely see a lot of close-ups of shots of things that uh, uh, you wouldn't... As a filmmaker, unless you were a fan of jazz music or just, you know, performing and music arts in general, uh, you wouldn't know to get these shots, you know, like tuning the drums and, uh, you know, that uh, awful shot toward the beginning, uh, you know, where the uh, the wind instruments, you know, are like draining the spit out of their instruments, like stuff like That's that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> really genius move. And yeah. And also for more examples on how top-notch the visual storytelling is, then there's the color palette. Notice, I noticed this upon rewatch, but notice how when Andrew is alone or in his scenes without Fletcher, the color palette is green, with, and green represents peace, tranquility, soothing. But whenever Fletcher is present especially in the music room scenes the color palette is yellow which represents yeah. passion anger violence yes yeah. yeah. i i i just i just love it when films do that use that color palette it really does a good job in conveying the character's emotions during that scene as if we're looking inside their head yeah definitely and it's beautiful to watch too like the the colors is just like super complimentary and it just like works super well. I I love watching this film just you know to have on in the background. I think it looks nice. Does yeah, and and on top of that, for more example, on the color palette, while the Fletcher scenes in the music room are yellow, the earlier scenes with uh, the other music teacher, Mr. Kramer, they're more light in pale blue, which also signifies yeah. more at peace and tranquility but then yeah. the color palette just changes when Fletcher is there I just love this it's it's these details it's what really make movies in general for me for all of us I must say yeah and oh and also at the same time um notice I feel like well Damien Chazelle, he's very, he's very, was very young when he made this film too. And can you believe that the guy would later go on to direct La La Land, which is completely different in terms of the tone and themes? Sorry, I think I lost you there for a sec. Oh, um, uh, can you believe, like, Damien Chazelle, after Whiplash, he would then go on to direct La La Land, which is pretty unique, oh very, very different in terms of, you know, the tone and themes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, lo- I love a good director who who can, uh, you know, do a bunch of different kinds of things, for sure. And But it's also, it's so impressive that, um, I mean, even just talking about Whiplash, just, like, you know, how deep into it, you know he can get on this angle but then on the other hand he does something like la la land it's just it's so like you you would never guess honestly in my opinion that it's the same director if you did oh no oh no but both films show one thing that damien chazelle really has a lot of respect for the art of jazz and Wow, we are halfway through this episode and we haven't even mentioned a very important character in this film. And that, of course, would have to be Charlie Parker because Charlie Parker, yes, he he's not really a character character, but more like a presence in the film. Because in reality, Charlie Parker is who Andrew aspires to be. It's like his motivating factor. And in fact, 
Fletcher's story about Charlie Parker is actually a bit of a lie because he just lied saying that part that he almost got decapitated by a symbol to just simply to motivate his students into pushing themselves. Right. And the, the whole Charlie Parker analogy really has some disturbing implications too because when Andrew said that since he died at the age of 34 from a drug overdose but still was remembered as a talented musician it foreshadows that that's the path Andrew will be going for Andrew is so obsessed with his art that he will eventually head into an early grave as the director himself has implied yeah like he just he just doesn't care. Like as long as he is known as like a great drummer, um, he does not seem to care what else in his life uh, he sacrifices. And that includes his hands. Like the dude literally hurt himself. He played until his hands bleed yeah. and he yeah. doesn't even stop. That is just chilling. Yeah. Like Andrew's character is essentially a deconstruction of determination. Like we all want something in our lives. We as humans, like we all aspire to be great, to be more than what we are. We covet something. There's something in our lives that is missing that we desire. But that's what Whiplash asks. How far are you willing to go to get what you want? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because uh, determination is like a very, I feel like, common theme uh, in cinema and film. Uh, you know, it's but it's 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 kind of fun to see this approach to it where the determination is on a whole other level. It's almost like the I don't, I'm, I'm trying to find like a comparison, but it's almost like a horror movie version of a, a story of determination in a way where it's like you're fully enthralled in like this uh, uh, in this goal that you have. And a lot of times, especially if we're talking like a kid's movie or a superhero movie or something, um, you know, you know, the heroes is super determined to uh, I don't know what it is, uh, win the contest, save the world, whatever it is. Uh, in this case, uh, it's not as wholesome is that you know the the protagonist in this case is so determined uh to be a good drummer and i feel like there's two different approaches you could take i feel like the first approach is like the standard film thing where ah he tries really hard it's not going well but then he comes through at the end and then you have that you know satisfying ending which is the way it plays off the first time you watch it but the second time you watch it you start to pay attention to the details and you're like, oh, my God, he really he really did do whatever it took to become an amazing drummer, you know. Um, so it's it's funny to see that determination uh, thing just be uh, brought to a different level as opposed to maybe like a kid's film. What they talk about uh, with determination and not giving up versus, uh, you know this adaptation of of determination exactly yeah and whiplash like i mentioned it completely deconstructs that that determination because as we see andrew slowly regret regresses as a character he starts he loses his sense of self-respect self-agency he pushes everyone out of his life and yeah. he is He's essentially like like a drone, like a robot now, focusing yeah. on a like single-minded, focusing on a singular task. And all that's left of him now, the only thing that matters to him is music, jazz, and charts. Everything else be damned. Yeah. And yeah. the and worst of all, if Fletch and Fletcher, despite his Although his intentions may be to create new 
talented musicians, it's obvious that Fletcher, he's doing it just for himself. He's basically doing it to boost his own credentials. Notice that scene the second day before it, when Andrew loses the folder, he says, I will not have my reputation tarnished. He's talking more about himself than the yeah. others. You know, I have to wonder too, though. I mean, maybe it's not so... Um, maybe... Maybe it's not necessary. I mean, maybe some people are just like this, you know, maybe maybe some people are just so focused on their own thing, on their own craft or whatever it is. Uh, they want to rise to the top of the ranks. And, uh, you know, maybe to him, it's not a sad. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's like maybe to him, uh, this isn't sad. Maybe he really is just uh, doing what's best for him. Like, uh, you know, he might have an early grave. But on the other hand, he might not have regrets either. I mean, um, if I were to pursue any uh, my passions like this, I would certainly have a lot of regrets over not, uh, you know, um, nurturing my personal life and personal values, stuff like that. Uh, but maybe maybe to Andrew, this is all that really does matter to him. Like maybe maybe he wants maybe that's what he aspires to be like maybe that's what he thinks uh you know his life is all about like his purpose is to become sort of a machine and sort of a drone uh for jazz music to be like an amazing drummer and maybe when he's on that early deathbed uh maybe he's sitting there and he just you know maybe he does feel accomplished and maybe he doesn't feel like he missed out on anything. I don't know. That's just a sort of side thought. I personally, I feel he would have no regrets because it, if it and if it, it's, it indicates to his speech at the dinner table when he mentioned, I'd rather die drunk and alone at 34 and have people at a dinner table talk about me than be sober and rich at 78 and have no one talk about me it really shows just how how much the ambition has corrupted him that is essentially yeah. what whiplash i feel is it's it's it reminds me a lot of a lot of these stories like the social network citizen kane and especially macbeth how ambition can lead to disaster yeah yeah because we all, as I mentioned, we all seek something in our lives. And sometimes to get those things, there must be a sacrifice because we greatness, do achieving our goals is never, and I mean never, going to be an easy task. No, no. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I mean, like, uh, yeah, and again, that's why I think this film is so cool is because everybody has those dreams. Everybody has... Uh, those things that they aspire to be or want to do with their lives. But, um, you know, I mean, you take a look at this and this is like your worst fear, essentially. You know, if you're somebody to pick up like, ah, I want to be a really good drummer or something. I would I would say do not watch Whiplash early on into your career as a drummer because you're just going to be like, oh, my God, this is what it takes. That's that's horrifying. Like, this is what people think about. Uh, when they try to pick something up that they're passionate about. Like, oh, what am I going to have to sacrifice? Like, I'm not going to have time for work or my family. It's just I never have time, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, so basically my my suggestion would be to not watch this film if you're <laughs> looking into getting into any hobbies. Oh, no, no, not at all. Huh? And... And if you think about it also, Andrew's entire, his big break was actually based on luck. Because even Fletcher mentioned this, that the only reason why he's even on the core is because he literally misplaced a folder. When there is this long-standing theory that Flet that all this was part of Fletcher's plan, many felt that Fletcher intentionally stole the folder because he saw potential in Andrew because to me personally, I feel that Fletcher, in a way, he respects Andrew because Andrew, he's got more guts than anyone else there in right. the class. He actually stood up to Fletcher and I think Fletcher admires that. He respects when someone has the balls. Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't seem to uh, appreciate it in the moment, but I, do, I can't see how... Uh, um, 
you know, uh, how, how he would be sort of, uh, proud of that or he would be yeah respectful he, he would respect it yeah exactly yeah and at the same time since we are nearly at the one hour point i'd like to discuss now the big question whiplash what did it all mean well for me i for one believe that to your point that people should not watch this the drummers especially should not watch this film if they ever plan to pursue a career in music i feel that this film should be one well for all artists because whiplash if you think about it it's essentially a cautionary tale a cautionary yeah. tale on what happens if we just go in over our head with our ambitions our passions yeah yeah definitely i think that this film's definitely playing with the idea of uh this is um, this is what it's, uh, it, it's kind of like a horror movie, an exaggeration of like what it takes to become, uh, a huge success, you know, uh, they're really doubling down on, on sort of the costs. Exactly true. And on top of that, another thing that really makes any movie great is one that feels that speaks to us that speak tells us something about who we are about the human condition and that is what whiplash is about the human condition it's about our our ambitions we covet something every every day because humans are very such complex species and yeah. we all desire something in our lives love uh pa our passions greatness life is like a puzzle piece but the the thing is the puzzle is never complete when we start there and that's our goal to find the missing piece of our puzzle and on top of that too it really shows us that the 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 world of entertainment and art it's can be a bit of a a smoke machine because it may look appealing on the outside but sometimes it's not quite the wonderland we believe it is so it's up to us to fight like hell in order to navigate this world of entertainment and art yeah yeah no that's a really good point i think uh um yeah no i, I mean especially especially when it comes to music and performing arts um, because uh, most people, when they go to see that stuff, uh, they show up for the fun part, uh, and that is the show. But that is after the blood, sweat, and tears of putting it all together. That's why uh, uh, whenever you see like a, I mean, I think a lot of people have seen this. You know, you go see a kid's play, whether it be your daughter, niece, nephew, whatever. Uh, um you see at the end how the the whole cast and crew they have this big moment where like sometimes they even get emotional and cry because it's like months and months and months of just like hard work and just like loads of time every day all the rehearsals all the effort from so many avenues uh that have gone into like making it all happen um that part doesn't necessarily get seen by uh, the people who just show up and enjoy the show. And you could certainly, certainly underestimate what it takes to put a show together. And on, you know, likewise, um, you know, uh, a lot of people don't know what it takes to become the best drummer or to become a really good orchestrator or to be a good saxophone player or to have like 50 of these people on the stage and perform together. Um, yeah, definitely. It's like, uh, it's something that I think could be very, very easily overlooked. And I think that it does get overlooked uh, a lot of the time. Very good point. Yeah, I agree as well. And to further fit in with that fact, and also with the one of the themes of Whiplash, as a cautionary tale, it says that it's perfectly okay to pursue our dreams and passions, but at the same time, we must never, and I mean never, lose ourselves when we are going there. Because much like Andrew, he did succeed at the end, but he burned all his bridges, he lost his self-respect and humanity that 
at some point we will be left asking ourselves this big armor piercing question which is was it all really worth it and most of the time the answer was gonna be no yeah yeah definitely do you think miles in this case will go back and, and regret uh his decisions that is when he is in his deathbed for sure because at some because most people when they when you're about when they reach their last day of their lives they start to look back have a bit of self-reflection because andrew yeah. at this point yeah he already has come too far way too far for all this yeah there's not really i mean i guess there probably would be a road back but it's uh, I think it's certainly unlikely that he would ever take one <laughs> and it would be a long one back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And also, that's another thing I, I'd like to point out because Fletcher, it's very it's very hard for people to when you ha have something for so long, it's really hard to abandon the change, to abandon your ambitions. Because Fletcher, if you think about it, it's like a drug to Andrew. Because Fletcher, he fuels Andrew's obsession for greatness. And after Andrew was kicked out of the band and he gave up on his dream of drumming, and when he met Fletcher at the bar, he went back to his old ways he andrew when continued to follow in his ambition he took the bait when fletcher gave him a chance to perform in his band it's similar to uh, a drug addict offering an off like a drug dealer offering an addict a small pinch of drugs and the yeah. addict will take it regardless it's really yeah. it's really hard for people to change sometimes too It's, it's really a genius move. Like, I this Whiplash is not just a great film, but it's also a great experience. Because when people hear or see the poster for this film, they might think it's a typical musical film. But no, yeah. this film will prove them wrong. Dead wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one thing... And, also, as we discuss, or rather, I, we discovered many months ago when you showed me, Whiplash started out as a short film as well. That's right. And it then grew into a huge feature film. And yeah, I just love it. I just, I just have a lot of love and respect for independent film directors because it show. And we live in a time where we're full of big names, like big superhero films, kaiju battles with big productions and stars. But this proves that films, that less is more. That films can be great with just a really talented director, actors, and of course with a very small budget to create movie magic yeah yeah definitely i am uh i'm all about those indie filmmakers you know i uh, uh i i um i really respect art that isn't necessarily made to be appealing to everybody um although i gotta say i think um anyone who watches this film is gonna have a good time <laughs> honestly but um uh, i i like the the small or the short film directors because, um, you know, they're not afraid to take chances and they're, uh, you know, the, I, f I feel that they have like, these are the most artistic films that you can watch are like indie films, right? So uh, with the superhero films, you know, they're fun to watch and everything, but, um, you know, they're not as engaging, I wouldn't say, you know, I, I can't remember who said this, but it's kind of like, going to uh the circus or something you're just kind of like watching a show uh go by and it's fun it's good it's entertaining and everything but it's certainly not engaging uh like you know the different character dynamics that we have in whiplash right oh i, I see your point yeah because while much like you as well i uh like i'm not very picky in my taste for films i enjoy those films as well like superhero films kaiju films films that we can enjoy easily but at the same yeah. time the ones that i 
completely recommend all the time are films like Whiplash, films that are more about the themes, the the messages, the artistic value. Not everything has to be flashy, filled with action or or thrills as well. It's all about the art. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I think that this movie has it has zero explosions. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. However, I uh, it's definitely more engaging to me than any Marvel movie that I've seen. And I do love the Marvel movies, but. Uh, but the drama and the intensity of Whiplash is far above and beyond uh, any Thanos snap could ever be. <laughs> Good analogy. Nice, man. Yeah. And yeah. And this really like we all watch films that tell us something about the world, something about ourselves. And that is what Whiplash is. It's a reflection on how we and how we must tread carefully when we're entering our passions how not to let our ambition take us over how it can be a very self-destructive path yeah absolutely it's quite a beauty as well and on top of that it really it really earned its oscar nominations because this film truly is a work of art Oscar well earned for J.K. Simmons for editing and of course for the sound design. Genius. Just genius. And yeah. and of course, give credit to Damien Chazelle as well, because Chazelle, he is as of now the youngest director to have ever won a Best Picture Oscar, which he would do two years later with La La Land, and he was only 32 at the time. No kidding. It's, I didn't know that. That's super cool. Wow. It's, it's genius, really. Again, like, less is more. And this film definitely shows. And and you just wait. I predict that in 10 or 20 years later, Whiplash will go down in history as a classic, a renowned classic. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I will be watching this film uh, for a very, very long time. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, me too. And Whiplash, also another added fact, is one of my top three favorite films of 2014. The other two being Guardians of the Galaxy and number one for me, Gone Girl. These, oh, cool. This, and also one of the decade's best. This is one that will not be forgotten anytime soon. This film is another film I consider to be just perfect everything worked it's a bit of a slow burn of course but that really did a great job in enhancing the story this is just everything it's a cautionary tale it's an immense character study and it gave me a lot of a new found appreciation for the artistic value of Damien Chazelle and I can't wait to see what where he goes from here because his filmography is amazing if you love Whiplash I suggest you watch yeah. his other two films La La Land and First Man which retells the you know the moon landing okay cool yeah yeah this and this film, wow, such a masterpiece. For me, this is a 10. I have to give it a 10 out of 10. Not anything lower than that, and I could not live with myself. Yeah, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Did uh, did you see this in theaters? Uh, unfortunately, no, I didn't watch it until about a year later. And that's a part of that's part of me that remains a bit regretful because I usually tend in the theaters, with a few exceptions, of course, I tend to watch mostly the big titles like the major Marvel DC films in theaters. But the indie films, I usually tend to watch them on until much later, like on DVD yeah. or on demand. It's uh, kind of a regretful choice on my part. Yeah, definitely. I I wish so much that um, I saw this in theaters. It's definitely one of those ones, uh, you know, sometimes, especially when it comes to indie films or something that you've never really heard of before, you know, there's that risk that you go in and then you're just like really bored for <laughs> 90 minutes or something, right? Um, but that would, uh, I just, I wish I saw it in the theater because... Um, this would have been just like a, the perfect like theater experience for me. And I feel like um, the reason I like going to the theaters because uh, you really get like a cool reaction from the audience and like you're in it together. Like um, I had that when I went and watched Get Out, um, you know, toward the end, uh, you know, where 
he starts beating the crap out of everybody and everyone in the theaters cheering. Uh, it was the same example too with Quentin Tarantino's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when he does the little uh, twist ending at the end. Like people were losing their minds just like having a great time with this. And that's just my favorite feeling ever, just like being in it with everybody else. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm bummed that I never really got that with with Blash, because, uh, you know, I know that sometimes, you know, when you go see a movie, it could be, uh, you know, you could sit there a little bit bored in the theater for a while. But um, in this case, I just know that wouldn't be the case. And I know that it would have been like, s what a ride it would have been to see it in the theaters with like a, a packed Room. Absolutely, yeah, I, it, and I agree with your point too. Because I know I I know I didn't explain myself very well back when we did our Black Widow episode when I mentioned about the theater part. But looking back, cinema is not just a place; it's a community. It's a people because cinema is all about the shared experience. It's what it brings people together to laugh, to cry, and all in between. It's like a, it's a family because that's what cinema is. It's not a place where you can, it's more than just a place where you can go in and out. It's a place where people come together to enjoy together. It's a communal experience and watching movies, watching this kind of film in, at home just doesn't feel right now that I think about it. So I feel move streaming services, great as they may be, no, the theater is the one true place for us to experience yeah. this. Nothing more, nothing less. And well said. Uh, I, I can't top that. <laughs> you i'm thinking one but yeah like this really we really need to give credit as well to these people these independent filmmakers because not everything it has to be about the blockbusters great as they may be they're not the only type of mainstream films out there the independent directors they really should share their vision more with all thousands millions of people out there who go to the theaters every single year yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, just really glad we could spend this last hour showing our love and appreciation for one of the greats. Thanks, Chris, for coming here today for today's episode. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Anytime, anytime. And next week, we will be reviewing the long-awaited James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which, by the way, I will be watching today with my brother later in the theaters. But until then, this has been Sin City. I'm Nick Manessis, and see you next week, same time as always, here on Sin City, live for CMRU.ca and Feel Loud Images. <laughs> <laughs>